Shall we begin? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Differential FPL podcast. Um, this podcast is actually not um, an FPL podcast. This is one where we go through the game week uh, and uh, the matches that have occurred in this um, game week. Lately, it was a great weekend. Sorry, it was a great weekend and midweek, so we have quite a bit to, to talk about today. Um, and helping me with that today is Shola Abolori. Hey, Shola, how's it going? Good, good, good. What's popping? Good to have you here. Um, Alex, Mr. Liverpool, OG. How you doing, sir? How you doing? Uh, for those who know, uh, obviously, this is just an uh, audio podcast. Alex has this big-ass, you know, um, Liverpool screen behind him. I think I see, I see uh, VVD. Becca, and then there's obviously this annoying ass satellite <laughs> right there in the middle of it. Uh, we're going to do some YouTube clips soon, so hopefully, um, you know, you get to see that. Um, also here with us is Habi. Habi, how far along? How you doing? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you guys doing? I mean, I'm doing fine. I don't know how you're all right, but I guess we'll discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then <Twins>. also, <laughs> and then also... With us today is Manny. Manny, how you doing? I'm I'm blessed, bro. I'm blessed. I've I've, I've got I've got a, a bit of a diatribe to let go on uh, Mr. Pochettino, but um I guess we'll be uh sliding into that one a bit later on still. Okay, no worries. Good to have you here, man. And good 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 uh thank you for returning. Um uh, I not, what's his name? Wala is not here today. You know, I'm sure I would have liked to have a piece of you, but it <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can get his later, I guess. We will have we, don't worry, we'll have you guys come back and, and argue it out again. And um for all our listeners out there, thank you all for listening. Please um like, subscribe to us, um, follow our Twitter channel, um, the differential FPL. And with that in mind, I guess we can kick off with to with the um, with the game yesterday, um, Man United versus Chelsea, and uh, very very exciting game. Um, enough tears in the group chats, you know. Uh, uh I mean, um, I could I guess I could give uh, Manny the floor here first of all. Manny, what did you make of that game? How bad was the defeat for Chelsea? To be honest with you, bro, Chelsea just didn't turn up yesterday. Um. I don't think United were necessarily like good. They didn't have to be good. We were just really bad. I don't think any player played anywhere near their level last night. And to compound issues, Potichino's losing his mind, bro. Like this guy thinks it's Tottenham or something, you know, because I really don't get what the guy was trying to do. Yes, I get it. Um, Conor Gallagher was suspended. Rich James was injured. But then what was he doing that back for, bro? Like, why are you playing Colwell? Why are you insisting on playing Colwell as a left back? Then, at the same time, the Sassy played right back and played a decent game, the right game, the last game at right back. Why would you have him playing in the centre and then playing Cucurella on the left? You know, because mm. if you looked at what happened last night, Ganacho looked like prime Kitty Gonzalez. You know, we're getting peppered by flipping Scott McTonamy, you know, like, bro, Scott, how can Scott be peppering, man? You know, like, bro, nah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even lie, man. I got emotional last night, bro. Like, I'm just looking <laughs> at how shit we were, bro. Like, I, I can't believe how shit we are, bro. One billion, like, USD later and Scott McTominay bullying us, bro. But we haven't beat United since since Eden Hazard left. I'm talking 2017. There you go. 2017, yeah. bro. So, I mean, nah. um, just, okay, let me just, uh, just, just to say a few things about, about what you said there. I'm, I mean, you guys were... Funny enough, I actually thought you guys were surprisingly rubbish yesterday. But on the normal, like throughout the season, it has looked like Pochettino has had more sense with his um with the games that you guys have played. I mean, even the big games that you've played, you you you've done very well, you know. But with the way you guys played against United yesterday, it seemed like United could just easily waltz in whenever they wanted, you know. And you brought up Garnacho there, and um, Habi, I, I guess you could chime in here about um Garnacho there. I mean. That actually, he's raw, and he, he kept running at you guys. You know, he, he made some bad decisions. But the fact that he was able to just keep running and running at you guys all game, even when James came on as well, it's like Pochettino did not have any answer to that to that problem yesterday. <clears throat> and there's a lot of sawdust in Pochettino's head, I swear to God. <laughs> like, everything yesterday was just piss poor. Like, it was clearly a personnel issue. And like that's about the worst I've seen Chelsea play this season. Mm-hmm. The midfield that we have, we tried to bypass it. I did not get it for the life of me. I mean, fuck that Sanchez's penalty save. That brother is a ticking time bomb. He should sit on the fucking bench. But who comes Preach. in? <laughs> who comes in though? Comes in for anybody, <clears throat> bro. We yeah, bought some keeper anybody. Petrovic. I don't know what he's like. I'm willing to give him a chance. Hmm. I mean, but before before yesterday's game, I mean, before yesterday's game, Poch, Poch seemed to have, like, gotten some good tactics in. I mean, is it as simple as saying that, like, you know, Gallagher is now such a big part of your midfield? Gallagher no. is key. Go on, we had 11 players. We had 11 players out yesterday, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want people to kind of, like, you know, take that for, for granted, you know? We had 11 players out yesterday at the start of kickoff. We had 10 players out, and then we changed and start. That's the full squad. That's 11 players out. Fair enough. Granted. But with what he had, he should have been able to do more yesterday. And this is like a, a, a like running theme with Pochettino so far at Chelsea. Like, the guy, his subs are useless. His game management is non-existent. Like, the guy always waits until it's too late to start making subs. Against Arsenal, the signs were there as well. When... Um, Mikel kind of changed the game and started going long with um with Kai Havertz as you guys have started to do a lot this season, you know. At that point, this this clown should have brought on De Sassi or Ugo Chuku or someone else with height, you know, because it was blatant to see the game was basically running away from us, you know. And last night was no different, you know, it was absolutely no different. Like we were so poor, the poorest we've been all season. We went in at halftime, came out, and somehow managed to be even poorer in the second half. So I can only blame Poch for last night, to be honest with you. Fair enough. But Manny, do you want to add anything to that before I, before I kick it to uh, Shola? I just did, bro. What are you talking about? Oh, sorry. Not Manny. Habi. Habi. Sorry. I always get the names wrong a bit. Sorry about that. Go on, Habi. Uh, not too much to say. I've even... Although Poch too did rubbish, like the players too at some points, those people they have to reflect and be like, Am I really this shit? Like, is this the is this how I want to be remembered? You can't be this. So if, see, if I start ranting, I'm going to take up all the time. So I'll just keep quiet. I'll let you guys carry on, please. All right, fair enough. I mean, you've given us enough tears, so I, I, I can move on to Shola. Shola, 
You got you. You was really really happy today. I mean, let me say something though. As bad as Chelsea were, they did cut open, cut through your defense quite a few times. And if not for you know Jackson not having that, you know, I don't want to say they have sense, but really and truly, his 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 touches were poor in the final third. And he, he let he let you guys off the off the hook a couple of times. How, what did you make of the game? Um, I thought it was a decent performance. I don't think it was a great performance. I thought it was obviously better than how we've been playing, you know, for the most part of this season. Um, yeah, I felt like our midfield was too easy to go through. Like Chelsea had some great counter attacks, especially in the first half. You know, the way if Mudrik was better. He yeah, could have been like two or three goals. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's a good, good three points. I think I like the I like the attacking intent from yesterday from the players. I thought Garnacho especially was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought Anthony had a decent game as well. It wasn't great, but I think he had a decent game. Um, I think Amrabat was also really good as well. You know, he he pretty much locked down. Shut down Enzo and Caicedo basically, and um, and Reginald coming on the second half as well was also really good. I think we we looked better on the left, especially with Sean a yellow card, and him going into centre back. I think regular you know Reginald was very positive. Dallo was very positive in the front. So it was a decent. It was good to see. It was a team performance. We haven't played like a team for the most part of this season. So I think my biggest takeaway was that we actually played together as a team. Mm, you know, it wasn't good. about any individual person. Like it was a good team performance. Yeah. You know? And I like the way you uh, mentioned team performance there because most of the media have talked about how United are not actually a team right now. You know, yeah. I, I've forgotten his name, whoever it was on, on Sky Sports that was just dishing out the, you know, Somebody told me, somebody gave me the yards. <laughs> <laughs> somebody gave me the yards. So, I, I mean, it was 50%. good. <laughs> it was good to see United, the, the team actually come out and play for each other. And um, I'd like to let, let Alex, um, you know, say a little bit here about, you know, the way the media perceive um, United. Because, you know, by all rights, they're like, what, three points off the top four right now? So they're not actually far away from their goal, but if you if you if you watched or if you listened to the media, even everywhere this season, it sounds like United are in like are in crisis. And yesterday, if they didn't win yesterday's match, it would have only continued. So how do you feel about the way the media you know perceived United this season? Uh, uh, before going to United, just a very quick one on Chelsea. Uh, I think I think Manny alluded to it earlier. Feel mm-hmm. like Chelsea missed Conor Gallagher yesterday. They missed his running power. Like he's very good at covering ground and disrupting the rhythm of the opposition midfield. I think we've all seen that. So it was definitely a miss. And I remember telling Manny offline that it would make sense for Poch to use Enzo, Caicedo, and Ugochuku. Ugochuku is not a great player, but at least he's got height, aerial, aerially, he'll be able to do something better than what they did. He was, he was one of the uh, eleven that was injured yesterday. To be fair to Portugal, oh, so he wasn't actually available for selection. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Uh, fair enough. Oh, yeah, I just felt he could have he could have made that midfield a little bit stronger. Played mm-hmm. Palmer on the right, which he has done in the past, because Palmer is good at drifting inwards anyway to add to your midfield. So I think he just left that midfield way, way, way too light. So that's what killed him yesterday. Then this whole left back thing, him playing Corwell left back again. I agree. That's definitely not working. It's making Coro look like a light skin Titus Granville, man. 
play that guy at the centre back. Wow. I'm being honest, man. The left back, man. Man's looking, he's looking spooky for him, man. But bro, for me, Thiago Silva, bro. Thiago Silva is older than man, bro. How's man? That's what I'm saying. Play Cole in the centre. Play Cole in the centre because what? Yeah. So I play, I blame Poch for that. But I think we're letting the players let off so lightly. We've got Enzo, Caicedo, and Modric. That's three hundred million. Yeah, yeah. You can't necessarily blame the players for that one. That one goes specifically on Todd Bowley and the sporting directors, bro. The people who decided they wanted to play championship manager and get no, absolutely no experience. Fair enough. I, okay. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But um, back to the original question, though. The original point, yeah, exactly. Enough, enough Chelsea cooking. No, but on the road, though, I think Man United. If I'm being brutally honest, I think they're overperforming. I'm not buying into this whole. They're three points behind CE, so it's all good. If you look at the teams that United are beating, they're beating teams that they should be beating. They're beating mid-table to bottom teams. Unfortunately, yeah. Chelsea are in that category for now. When 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 Man you come against decent teams, they lose. The stats are there. They've just been lucky with those run of games where they played dead teams and they they've been picking up points. Chelsea yesterday just didn't turn up for the reasons we've all stated. So I think. I get I get why the media onto Man United because I feel like they should be doing a lot better based on the players that they bought and where they should be in the development. So I think where they are right now is actually false, a false position in terms of them thinking they can catch CE and whatnot. In two or three games, it will look different again. So I'm not. I think United still need to be called out personally. Right. Well, but hang on. I don't think anyone thinks we can catch City. What? That a lot, a lot of your fans keep after a game. Oh, we're three points behind City. After no, another team, like, behind Chelsea. Well, anybody that thinks we can cut City is obviously mad because <laughs> you know the irony. Because we're not, we're not, we're not there. The thing, uh, like I, like I agree with a lot of things you just said, right? You, even though I don't agree with the false position thing. I mean, because you beat Swiss, you beat Swiss in front of you. That's 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 the game. But I do agree with the fact that, like, yes, we are. I feel like we have. Even with the way we've been playing this season, we are overachieving because we have, like I've said earlier, we have not looked like a team until the Everton game. The Everton game was the first time we looked like a team, then against Galatasaray, and then yesterday. All the other games, even though all the ones that we scraped 1-0, we have looked really poor. We've looked disjointed. It looks like there's been no coordination. But those three games I mentioned, those are like where it begins to look more and more like a team. So I guess it's it's um it's something that's a little bit of cause for optimism. You get. So mm-hmm. like I feel like if we can continue playing like this, you know, top four, the you know, we we have a very, very strong chance of finishing the top four if we can continue playing like a team. Yeah. And I like and I and I don't care about who starts. So for, like, I'm not one of those people that will say, oh, this player must start. I feel like that 11 should remain as it was yesterday. Because if it means Rashford should bench, let him bench until he gets, until he earns his place. Everybody has to earn their place. Let's not look at names or anything. Like, you, you have to, you have to, you have to earn your spot. Apart from Monada, obviously. Even on that, even even Onana, he has to earn a spot. But the problem, like, he has to. Everybody has to earn their spots, Fair regardless enough. of who you are. Um, yeah. Sorry, 
Let's give Manny the last word on, on, on United versus Chelsea and then we'll move on to Man City because I know you guys mentioned Man City there. So go on, Manny. Just a few things. I, I kind of um, agree with everything Alex and Shola said. Um, the one thing I did want to kind of caveat, I wanted to kind of add, was concerning United. Um, United seem to be in a bit of a shambles, you know, like, and this is coming from a Chelsea fan, you know, like, it just seems like they don't necessarily have a happy camp. There's a lot of beef going on, like a lot of big egos in the dressing room. We know the Varane story. We know the flipping Sancho story. And we're also hearing about some other fallouts of players like Casemiro and all these other players as well. But um, Alex touched on something. He said um, Chelsea have performed well in the big games. And I just wanted to add something on that, you know, is um, this team is very young and is very green and naive. And I think games they're expected to do well in, they tend to struggle, you know, struggle in these games a lot. You know, so maybe from their perspective, they just didn't be united as a big game, you know, just for, ah, we'll beat those guys. You know, that... <laughs> I mean, I, I will I will give it to you that um, the attacking the, the attacking trio behind Jackson as well was 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 kind of weird because when I saw that I was, I was like, hmm, you guys are going you know three attackers behind Jackson away from home, you know you must be feeling really confident. But you know I I see what you what you mean there. Um, Shola is leaving us for a bit. He'll join us shortly. Um, and I guess we can use that um to um to move on to Man City. Um, I think um. Uh, Yesterday, I mean, we talked a little bit about them, but we didn't, you know, because they are, you know, United are three points off them. They have looked really bad. Not really. They looked really bad yesterday against Aston Villa. Aston Villa ran through them, you know, only two shots. I mean, Alex, looking at the way Man City are playing now, I know you mentioned earlier in the season about the big guns they they, they, they let go and how it's affecting them. How did they look to you yesterday? They looked, they looked poor. I watched that game. To be fair, I was flicking between, between all the games. I think my city didn't look themselves yesterday, but we need to caveat with the fact that they had three key players out missing. So I'm not even adding KDB. I'm adding, I'm saying Rodri, Grealish and Doku. If those three played, it would have been a different game. I would have still fancied Villa to maybe get a draw just due to the fact that their home form is like is impeccable. They are a very good team at home. So I expected a draw if those things, if those individuals played. The fact that they didn't play, I knew Villa would take them. And I said it, I, I, I told you guys offline, that I think this this is Villa's game. Man City don't look themselves, not just due to the fact that um, they're struggling in front of goal, but even more worrying for them is that they're struggling behind. They love, yeah. love, their, love their defensive players for some reason are just off form. So that's like so Kyle Walker, Diaz, Guavio, Kanji. They're all playing like the goal roller skates on. And I think and to be fair to them, so I'm, I'm going, I'm going back and forth. To be fair to them, the last three, four games they played have been tough games against yeah. top teams. Although CE of last season would have still been these teams, so yeah. we can't knock them too much. Just the fact that they've drawn and lost against some very good teams, but I think it's worrying for them because if they go behind Arsenal on Liverpool, say eight, nine points, it might be too much to crawl back, especially. Because I was looking at the fixtures, they're going away soon in two weeks to Club World Cup. In as much as they'll have those games in hand, it's not the same thing. Because yeah. if they go away and they and they come back and the, and the gap is like 12, 13 points, they might just say, you know what, let's focus on Champions League. So remember I told you a few weeks ago why I think Arsenal and Liverpool need to build that gap between themselves and City now. And this is the best time. And it looks like that's happening. 
So, yeah, so overall, I think City, uh, they look shaky at the moment, but I wouldn't write them off just yet. All right, fair enough. And I'll, I'll be, I want to give you to you. I want to um, put this question to you. A lot of people have talked about how Rodri is so important. He missed the game yesterday, but he did play against you guys. I mean, he managed to get, like, I think it was a <coughs> against you guys. And uh, how do you see Rodri in this City team? I did, you know, losing these games or drawing these, you know, they drew with, they drew their last three games with Rodri. Um, how did you see him in the Chelsea game uh, when you guys played against them? I mean, he was still Rodri, but like with Gallagher constantly hounding him. So that made the game a bit difficult for him. So it wasn't his typical performance. But if you're asking in relation to how they play without him, I mean, he's pretty much Pep's most important player. And the four games he's been suspended for this season, they've lost all four. Three in the league, one in the cup. So even yeah. yesterday, you could see, I don't know if Pep is just being deliberately stubborn or he was genuinely out of ideas because I see no reason why he had to start Akonji and John Stones in midfield. Like, that was terribly needless. And not like Villa's midfield is something to just toss aside. I mean, that's a proper Premier League midfield. It's Kamara, McGinn, and Douglas Luiz. Those are three dogs, for God's sake. Akonji and Stones won't cut it. So, I mean, Pep really has himself to do, although Rodri is still pretty important. Okay, fair enough. Um, and uh, looking at, I mean, we could talk a little bit about that midfield again. I think that Rico Lewis played as well yesterday. I don't know if you watched the, the I mean, you were watching, you were obviously watching the the United game as well. Sorry, your your game while this was um, while this was going on. Um, Rico Lewis played, and one thing I wanted to add as well is that you know with Pep, it doesn't matter if um, it doesn't usually matter the players that he just seems to get those points. You know, I'm I've not really seen a time where I could say, yo, if Pep didn't have this player, Pep definitely, you know, would not be able to do well. So are we seeing like a like a change in Pep now where he's becoming where individuals are now running his team? Well, I wouldn't say so, because I mean, as of then, if there's no KDB, there's Sterling, there's Mares, there's Bernardo, like there are a lot of other people that could do what KDB could have done. But now I think like there's kind of, should I say, quality gap or misfits, whichever fits the purpose more. So like without Rodri, who is next? Calvin Phillips and Pep doesn't rate him for shit. And the other options are Kovacic that can't play through pass to save his life. And Matheus Nunes that just wants to run with the ball. So as it's just, I don't think it's now becoming more player-centric. It's just, I think there's a quality gap. In the mm. team, nice one. I like that word as well. Player centric, you know, this guy has been listening to some good analysts. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manny, um, in, in kind of like going on with this, um, pep, pep this discussion here. Um, I know ETH said something at the start of the season where he went, um, you know, with Liverpool and Man City, errors must end. Have we seen an end to? you know, to Pep's era of domination in the Premier League? I wouldn't go that far at all. And um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I actually said to a couple of guys offline that um, I favoured Liverpool to win the league this season. I think I said it after about eight or nine games into the season. Um, the way I see City, obviously, in a rebuild, 
I think that's blatantly obvious. Like given the players they lost, um, Mares, um, who else? Who else? They 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 seem to turn over quite a few players this summer. Um, Gundogan, Gundogan, Palmer. Palmer, yeah, no, but I won't even count Palmer because Palmer wasn't necessarily part of the core, you know. Yeah. But if you if you if you factor in the players they lost, as well as the fact that they're coming off the back of the treble, you mm-hmm. know, they're coming off the back the back of the three peats as well as the treble at the same time. I just kind of always felt that this season might just be you know a bit a bit too soon for this new crop of players as well as the experienced players to kind of gel together and actually go for the league. That being said, just like Alex, I think I favor them more in the UCL because um, they have Pep, obviously. And I think the midfield of Stones and Rodri together, you know, that system there where they play um, 3 2 4 1, you know, mm-hmm. it requires Stones as well as Rodri. I think against Chelsea, he tried it with Akanji. I think Akanji played there with. Um, Rodri, but not to the same effect because um, Stones is much better on the ball than Akanji is. You know? So I think in the run-in, in the latter half of the season, we're going to see Pep, because he played it against City, I'm sorry, against Man United as well. You know, and that was the last time they really looked like themselves again. You know, I think once he gets Stones next, and, and Pep kind of alluded to it himself, you know, he said, when Stones isn't in the team, it doesn't give them the right balance and the right platform for them to be able to go all out attack like they like to do, you know, because I think Roger on his own now, I think they've kind of figured out how to play around him. You know, if you take the Chelsea game, for instance, um, what Poch did was he moved um, Enzo Fernandez to the left, which kind of forced Roger to come out that way as well. And then we were able to build through the centre and come out of uh, the oppressor as well. You know, so I think that's something to kind of watch in the second half of the season to see whether they revert back to Stones and uh, Rodri in the midfield. I don't know if anyone has kind of observed that as well. Fair enough. Um, one thing you do know about, you do see with Pep sides, especially the City side, is at the second half of the season, that's when they really turn it up. That's when that engine gets going real quick. And then they win like 14, 15 games in a row. And, you know, break a lot of people's hearts. But let's not leave this topic without actually speaking a little bit about the team that beat them. Aston Villa came to 14 home wins in a row. And it looks like they've surpassed um, Chelsea. They look they look quite, they look ahead of Chelsea right now in their development. Um, looking at the way Aston Villa played, uh, Manny, do you think they can actually, their home form can actually propel them to a, a Champions League spot this season? Definitely, definitely. Why not? I mean, when you think of the traditional kind of big clubs, United aren't necessarily themselves in the season. Spurs are always Spursy, and with all the injuries and everything that's going on there, um, Newcastle and um, and Aston Villa actually have a beautiful window with the top five qualifying for the Champions League next year. I actually think Aston Villa can go ahead and do it. You know, the only thing that may derail the kind of uh, push for a top four finish is obviously being in the Europa League as well. Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. A couple of key injuries if, let's say, uh, Pau Torres went out of the back or Watkins went to the front, then, you know, the next kind of crop in the in the, in the squad isn't of the same quality and there might be a quality drop again and um, that's the only thing that can kind of maybe derail their momentum at this point, I think. All right. That's the... Uh... I feel the same way. I mean, looking at looking at the way uh, Emery has got that team playing, he's got them bouncing, he's got them moving. Um, they look further ahead of their development. 
you know, I mean, I think United were looking like they were going to be strong this season and it fell off, obviously, at the start of the season. Um, but, you know, next game, um, Aston Villa faced um, Arsenal. Um, Habib, looking at the way Arsenal are playing right now and the way Villa are playing right now, is that a game that you feel like, you know, um, Aston Villa can actually get that win? And be one point behind Arsenal in, in the in in the top of the at the top of the table. Well, by possibility, yes, it is not impossible. But by probability of happening, nah, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You back Arsenal for that game? Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's just this air of inevitability around Arsenal at this point. Like Rice's winner did not surprise me in the least bit. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> I saw it coming. So it's just Arsenal's there. And funny enough, I, I don't think Villa really troubles Arsenal. I might be mistaken though, but I'm not sure. It'll just be a regular tough game, but Arsenal still ends up winning. Okay. I think yeah, I see. I go on, Manny. I think, I think I think what 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 Mikel done this season is quite clever, to be honest with you. Um I think he looked at Arsenal last season, he saw came, okay, look at what we've done. You guys were really techy. You were playing that box midfield, lots of short passes, and then looking for your wide players to kind of invert and then get your goals and whatnot. This year, he's kept that, but he's added something, you know, another layer. Because you guys, what I've noticed you guys doing, especially, I mean, I noticed it against us and I've noticed it since then as well, is you try your normal way of playing football. If that doesn't work, gets to about 55, 60 minutes, you guys start going direct. Yeah. You start going direct. You just start, and that's what happened for the last goal with Declan Rice. You know, he starts moving people around, starts moving people around. The bait one now is Kai Havertz, because I don't know if you've actually noticed it as well, but something you guys have added is I've noticed you started sending Havertz to the back post. Yeah, mm -hmm. because if you look at it now, when Havertz is on, it doesn't matter. As soon as you, you guys just start looking back post, back post, back post. Previously, it was Trossard who used to attack those back posts to try to get, you know, little flicks at the back post, but now. Yeah, sending habits there. So the Luton game, for instance, Luton were just so preoccupied with stopping habits. They were so preoccupied with stopping habits that Odegaard was able to drop there. Rice was able to now overlap and was able to get a second big body there because you guys were going long. So, I mean, this is what brilliant coaches do all the time. This is what um, Klopp was doing. He, he kept on evolving every year, changing a little bit until he got his winning formula. So, mm -hmm. um... I think this year might be a year too soon for you guys. You know, I thought you, I thought I last know. year was the year too soon. Uh, how many years too soon are we going to get? <laughs> That's you see this. This is now me speaking as a Chelsea fan. Like, oh, okay, right now, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I I'm, I genuinely believe this. I don't know if it's my perception of Arsenal, but I actually just think Arsenal. Like this year, I think it's going to Liverpool. I genuinely think so. I think Amen. with the moment. Yeah, I genuinely think so. And I've said it, I've said it for a few weeks. I think the fact Klopp has been there, done that. I think it's Salah's last season. VVD is the new captain. I think they have too many people who have been there, done that, and were able to get them over the line. And I think Arsenal will probably come second this year. And my fear for Arsenal, which isn't actually a fear, which is my hope and expectation, <laughs> is that <laughs> is that next city, Man City, will come back and take the title again. <laughs> so Arsenal just be like nearly men over and over again and trusting the process until people start getting sold out to Real Madrid all over again. You know, but that's that's my hope rather than, you know, reality at this point. Your bad belay is, is showing quite well. I like the way your bad belay is showing. Um, 
But before I I I, I actually ask Alex a question, just want to um say a little bit more about Havertz. And uh, one of the things that I noticed as well is even apart from his runs into the back post, what uh, Mikel has him doing is he's constantly running into the box. And those runs into the box are distracting players. So I'll I'll, I'll take a look at that. Um, the first goal that we, not the first goal, the second goal that we scored with um, Jesus. If you notice that ball, as soon as um, Saka passes that ball to White and White looks as if he's about to cross that ball in, Havertz makes a darting run into the near post and he occupies two defenders. And those two defenders are like, oh, Havertz is going in, it's probably going to get to him, we have to get to Havertz. And all of a sudden, Jesus is free to just nod that ball in at the back post. And I noticed quite a few times that whenever we attacked, Havertz looked like he was running straight into the box while Jesus was kind of like hanging by behind, right? Was hanging behind, you know, coming into the box late. But by the time, in the second half, when we needed our goal, uh, it switched a bit. And Jesus now, now became that guy, that target guy. And then Havertz with the late run, and we managed to score a goal. So it's good that you pointed out how Mikel uses Havertz. He doesn't use him in that traditional way. He looks like Havertz is like his second striker, pretty much. He doesn't do a lot of midfield things, even though, you know, sometimes he does he does do them. But he just looks like he his main job is to carry defenders away, get into the box. Hopefully he gets a tap in here and there. You know, I mean, his goals, the yards from which Havertz scores in is pretty much like five yards. So, I'm, I'm, you know, it's literally like tap-ins. But those runs that he makes, he constantly makes them. And, you know, it pays off. If you keep, like I said, if, if I always say, if you keep doing the right things, the good things, eventually positive things will come out from it. So um, moving on to Alex a little bit here. Um, Alex, you heard, you know, all these Chelsea fans talk about blah, blah, blah. Liverpool are going to beat Arsenal to it, all that good stuff. Um, Arsenal managed to get that um, goal late, which is something that Liverpool and Man City are fond of doing. Even this season, you guys have done it a few times this season. I think... Um, I heard the stats and I need to check it. I tried to find it today, but I couldn't find it. Where it pretty much said when it comes to late goals, you know, go ahead or equalizing goals, Man City and Arsenal are top for that. You watched, sorry, Man City, Arsenal and Liverpool are top for that. And you watched your team do the same thing against Fulham, you know. So with the way Arsenal are doing it, how confident do you feel in um, Arsenal? I mean, how confident do you feel um, that you know, you guys will pip Arsenal to the title, or let's not write City off, but let's just say in a world where Arsenal and um, Liverpool are the only ones going for it in April, how confident are you that you guys can pip them to it? Um, it's almost I think it's almost 50 50 because there are a lot of things I can say you guys are doing well, there are a lot of things I can say we're doing well as well. The media seem to think you guys will do it. Um, I guess because you, um, you guys were City's closest challengers last season. So sometimes people forget how good we were and how many of our experienced players we still have. Because when I look at the media, they're tipping Arsenal for the title, um, which is fair enough. But uh, And I think people who know football properly, like my man Manny has said, Liverpool, like you can't, you can't write us off because we've been there, we've done that. We've still got a lot of those big players that have, won titles in the team, Salah, Van Dijk, Alisson, Trent, Robertson, they're still there. So I think it's 50-50. It's very difficult to, to pick one up, I'm being honest. You guys obviously have the lead, two points lead. I think when it gets to mid to end of January, we'll start seeing who will be the 
true champions, if I'm being honest, because between now and then, we've got like 10, 12 solid games to play. But I'll back my team just due to the fact that we're two points behind. We've played all the, most of the tough teams away from home, which mm. is something I keep pointing out. A lot of your top games have been at home, so yeah. you still got to go away. You played Spurs at home, City at home, United at home. We've we've played Brighton away, Newcastle away, uh, City away, mm. Chelsea away. So when I looked at the list, I said, okay, the fact that we played those teams away and was just two points behind gives me confidence because when we bring them back to Anfield, we'll win more than we'll draw. Just put it that way. So I think it's going to be neck and neck. It's very difficult to say who will take it. Injuries will play a big part as well because if you can keep your players fit and if we can keep our players fit, I think we've got a little bit more firepower. You guys probably have a little bit more grit behind. So it's is it defense or attack the wins? We'll see. But it's, it's it makes for an interesting title race because, like I said, once KDB comes back for City as well, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll dip into the transfer window in January. Yeah. which will bring them back into it again. And um, there are a few teams that you can't really write off. They won't win the league, but they'll take points off us and Arsenal. So the likes of Newcastle, Villa, um, Brighton, those teams will, even United, those teams will obviously bite at us. So it's very, it's neck and neck, I'll say. Fair enough. It makes for a very, very interesting um, title race. Um, I feel like, to be honest, I feel like if we're in the same position we were last year, if we manage to be, because, you know, we're getting a few injuries that are becoming very annoying, meaning that our starters are not getting any rest at all. And in December, I think that's actually crucial. But at the end of the day, I feel like if we're, if we're at that position again where we were last season, which is going to be very, very hard in April or March, I feel like this season we have more of a, of a chance to actually win it. And I'll be more confident because of, mainly because of one player that we got, and that's Rice, you know, 100 million pound Rice. And, Abi, I want to bring you into this a little bit. Because you're a Chelsea fan. You have two of those 100 million guys. What Rice is producing at Arsenal, is that what you kind of expect from, from you know, let's just say one of them? Yeah, from Conor Gallagher. And he does it already. Oh, sorry, Abi, go. <laughs> Abi, go. Abi, is Abi there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, go on, Abi. So, um, yeah, so I was asking, you know, the two mid... Uh, Enzo Caicedo, both 100 million. What Rice is producing from Arsenal? Is that is that what you expect from those two guys? Or is that expectation too high for them? Oh, shot it to the shop where. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not too high. But yeah, I mean, I expect much more from Enzo and Caicedo. I think with Enzo is, Enzo has shown he's very much capable of doing what he's supposed to. But Pochettino, that's supposed to know how to use him, apparently sucks at it. Yesterday, I mean, if you rewatch the game carefully, we were literally trying to avoid the midfield and build up. I did not get it. We were trying to build up wide, which made zero sense. You have Kaiseru and Enzo, and you're facing Mari's terrible midfield, and you are going wide. We just ended up playing a lot of hoofball. This is the same Pochettino that played Enzo as 10 beginning of the season. Like, Poch is really confused on how to use some certain players. That's that's a problem. That's a major problem at this point. And with Caicedo, yeah, I mean, so far, he's not really hit the ground running. But, I mean, we all know what he's capable of. And with him, I think it's just a case of slowly but surely. Because you can't tell me he's trash. Definitely not. Yeah, fair enough. So, basically, with someone like Caicedo, you're kind of like... Um... Your expectation is that he will come good eventually, 
But with Enzo, yeah, you're a little bit worried that the way he's being used tactically is not working out at the moment. I mean, Manny, do you kind of share those sentiments as well before we move on? Um, yes and no. Like, I completely agree concerning Casado. I think Casado is you know, battle-tested in the Premier League. I think the fact he didn't have a preseason as well kind of is um, feeding into the idea that the price tag is too heavy for him or we overspent for him. Even yesterday, for instance, he won He won the most tackles out of anybody on both sides. I think he won six out of eight tackles. That being said, from the eye test perspective, he looked poor. You know, I'm, I'll put my hand out and say that he looked poor yesterday, but then everybody looked poor, you know. And just to touch on something else Habi said was the our build-up yesterday made absolutely no sense. And there's a pattern I'm starting to see as well because this is the same thing Newcastle did to us. Newcastle flooded us in the wide areas. And we had no we had absolutely no answer for that, you know, because normally our wide areas and the wide our wide play is really good. But for some reason on the porch, we seem to be getting our done out wide, you know. Against um, Newcastle, they just seem to be doubling up, doubling up, doubling up, doubling up, and we seem to have no answer for it. Same again yesterday. How many times did I see um, both United white players running straight at the fullback, which is why he wanted to take uh, Sterling off for Ian Madsen shortly before they scored the second goal. You know, so I really don't know what Poch is doing in terms of getting the best out of Caicedo and Enzo. That being said. The one thing I appreciate in Declan Rice that I don't think either of those two players are, is going to be able to provide for us is his leadership, right? Declan Rice is a leader. He's a vocal leader. And that's something Chelsea really lack. You know, with all the people who've won the kind of armband for us this season, they all kind of will lead by example. You know, I couldn't even tell you what, what kind of leader Colwell is because I couldn't even tell you what kind of player he is, you know, and yet he's wearing the armband for us, you know? So, look, our, our issues are many, you know, and I, just like Habi, I don't want to take off the whole time just like complaining and ranting and going on different kind of diatribes about exactly what's wrong with Chelsea right now, because for me, it comes from the top. I know? was shocked, Manny, that you guys didn't buy Rice and Madison. It's just, just those two players could have transformed your team, Rice well, and Madison. Complete, I completely agree. But from what I heard concerning Rice is that um, don't forget Rice and Mount are best friends and been best friends for a long time. Yeah. So obviously we didn't handle the Mount situation properly. That's one thing. But I also heard behind the scenes that um, our directors fell out with Declan Rice's family. So okay. Declan Rice was never going to be an option this summer at all, you know, which is why we just kind of circled in on Caicedo and went yeah. for Caicedo Fair like, enough. yeah. Yeah, I'm, so I'm that... we didn't go for him as well. Sorry, I'm digressing a bit, Demon, because oh, I felt like he would have been a perfect Henderson replacement. I'm surprised. Oh, but I think he... we didn't expect Fabinho and Henderson to leave this summer, possibly. That's the only thing I yeah. think of. Yeah, yeah, De yeah definitely. Yeah. And we, we, everyone kind of let Mikel still march and take yeah. his mind, seduce him with the project. And after a while, you know, he was he was sold on going to Arsenal as well. So fair play to Mikel and Edu for that one. Yeah, I mean... Edu and Mikel, they look like they have sweet mouths, you know. So I'm not even, I'm not surprised by by what they're able to do. Of they're... course, you would fucking say that, wouldn't you? Dude, Edu is cooking, bro. You see that barbecue? He's always cooking. That's why I like I like him bad that those out to do his barbecue. So, Hopefully, uh... <laughs> you don't get you don't get salmonella and food poisoning, bro. You get... All right, fair enough. Um, 
And now I, I want to move on to Liverpool because and um, one player in particular who seems to be coming back to form um, lately. Um, and that is Trent. This season, Trent looks has stepped up a bit. No, no, let me not say has stepped up a bit. Trent has looked like Trent of the past. You know, the defensive, um, you know, memes, all that good stuff. I mean, once in a while, it still gets done. But, you know, now his attacking prowess is coming back into play. Yesterday, what I noticed a lot about about Trent was, apart from his bomb showing before you, before you guys um, scored the goal, which I, I still need to figure out what exactly was going on there with Trent. I, I, I feel like he did that shit on purpose. Maybe, maybe his ass was hot or something like that. I don't even know. But... This guy. <laughs> the balls. Put the ass in that system. <laughs> <laughs> he, this, he said piss piece delivery from corners yesterday was just exquisite. I mean, Alex, how do you, are you really excited to see how Trent is playing this um, more, more recently? I am. Oh, I, am. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I'm never going to lie. I think, I think Trent is, he's maturing. He's, you can see, like, he's taking that Van Dijk as a captain, he's the vice captain. And I think he's taking that that's part of my French. He's taking that shit personal. Like you can tell on the pitch, he's he wants to be one of the main men. Um, and more, more of that. We like that. I I saw stats earlier today that since we started the inverted thing with Trent, we've got the most points. It's somewhere mm. I posted in our group chats, and I'm not just saying is this is down to Trent or anything. But I think this this whole system works for him because he's able to almost get that free roll. I see some people are saying playing in midfield full time. I think this works for him because he's playing in midfield full time. He now gets more people in his face. Right now, he's almost like the midfield is occupied. He'll just come in, have space, do what he wants to do. He can then go back there. I think, but for, for that role to really work, the centre back next to Van Dijk needs to be someone who's good on the ball. I can I can recover. Kanate is good at that. And funny enough, Matsi Bowsen, I didn't think he would be able to play that role, but he's been doing it very well. Unfortunately, he's out now with an ACL. But overall, I think um, I'm excited with what Trent has given us. And I think as long as he stays fit, he's got a good injury record. He will, he will have a cracking season. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I think that as well. I mean, the set piece for Van Dyke's goal, he actually did that thing twice. He put it on, he did it for Van Dyke, um, and then he put it on the plate for Salah as well. And, you know, Salah didn't, he didn't get a goal yesterday, you know, but he was dangerous. He, he, he didn't move around. Um, he nearly got one or two. But um, Shola, I, I don't know if you saw the game as well. One thing that I did notice as well, you know, I know Liverpool's defence has improved. Um, Sheffield United did kind of get behind Liverpool's backline one, once or twice, you know. with um, Just once, just once, once. Was it once? I thought it was twice at least. Once. <laughs> How about it? It was twice. It got, there was one where, uh, was it the one where they took the ball off who was the person that he took the ball up in the middle? Uh, of, of Gomez or something. It was Acha. Yeah, who wants him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let, let, you they expected, though. They expected. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, yeah, but it did look a little bit like um, Liverpool's defence was successful. Looked like they could they could get caught out, you know, by um, Sheffield United's counter-attack there. Um, how, do you, how do you rate Liverpool's defence right now and the way Trent is playing? Um, I've said it on other podcasts, even offline with you guys. I think Liverpool's defense looked much better this season. Um, I don't think they get enough credit that they should. 
Um, because I think Van Dijk looks like himself. Alex said Trent looks more mature. So if I'm a Liverpool fan, I'll be really happy with that the way our defense looks because I think to to add to, you know Matip is obviously a big loss. You know, it's probably out for the season. Probably played his last game for Liverpool. Um, but Konate is a good defender. He's very very good. Um, partner for Van Dijk. The only problem with Konate is the same that we had with Matip, is that. He, he he can't rely on his fitness, yeah. so I think if Liverpool can get a centre back that's reliable, that you know that okay, I can call on this guy all the time to partner Van Dijk. I think they I think they will be a lot more they'll be a lot better than they are now. Um, and like I said, I think Trent, like just to say again, Trent has looked really good. Not even just his attacking. I think even this season, to be fair, he's defended better. Than the yeah. past, like yeah. you. I mean, obviously, there's some times that he, you know, they, he's been he's gotten done, which 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 is normal for any any fullback, especially when you're facing PC and tricky wingers. It's it's normal to get done as a yeah. fullback, but but he his positioning is better. His reading of the game looks better this season. So I I hate the fact that I'm actually having having to praise. <laughs> for the first like this but you know it's just it's just the way I see it yeah fair enough and um, just so you know that that's why I actually picked you to go there because I already exposed that <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go to Habi here because um, there's a um, you, you mentioned confidence there um, Darwin N- Nunes for um, Liverpool right now he, I heard Nunes and I popped up <laughs> he got the assist yesterday um I kind of like compare him a little bit to Jackson, you know, that we Nunes of last season to Jackson. You know, he was very raw last season and he looks kind of like that way with um with the way Jackson is playing, you know, as well. So my question to you, Habi, is do you see any similarities between the way Jackson is playing and the way Nunes played last season? Well, before I answer it, his assist should have been ruled out. That was a clear foul on the Sheffield defender. But that's not what we're talking about. Abi, come on, you know ball, man. He won the ball. You know ball, Abi. He, he went, Alex, he he went through the man. He went, he went through, through the man. Did he get the ball or not? No, no, no. If you go through the man, it's it's but you can't go through the man. He got the ball, then the man fell over him. Anyway, it's all good. We got, we got our three points. Would have, would have won one now. I go, I love you. So yeah, regarding Jackson and Darwin, I think most of the similarities both with their horrendous finishing. But I think, like, when they're not scoring or out of possession, I mean, Jackson actually is is kind of good with the ball, to be honest. I mean, he does get out of tight spaces. His dribbling is pretty tight, too. He's just... He has a lot of brain farts, let me put it that way. Like, the first goal, Palmer lost the ball. Then we somehow won it back. Then it's a counter, and you're passing the ball in front of Enzo that's never even gotten into position. What do you think is going to happen? And we lost it and we conceded. So just all those small decisions here and there, coupled with his beyond atrocious finishing. So that, that's just was making da- uh, Jackson look this piss poor. As for Darwin, I mean, I don't know. He's a bad finisher. He's great off the ball. On the ball, nah, not so much. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Manny, what do you think about that? What do you think about what Habib just said regarding the similarities between Darwin and um, Jackson? 
I, I share a lot of his kind of his views on Jackson. I think Jackson is actually technically underrated. I think his link up play is is decent. Is decent, you know. His hold up play is decent, and I think yep. once once we get enough players around him, we'll get a system that you know is more suited to his playing style. We'll get the better of him as well, you know. But it also needs to be remembered that that this guy is raw. You know, similar to Mudrik, he's played less than a hundred, uh, hundred professional games. You know, so and this is you know part of the issue we're seeing. We have too many project players that we're trying to develop at the same time, but um, not to kind I'm of not you know, even a striker. Sorry to cut you uh, short. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, let me finish. Go. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's a, he's a, he's a wide player that we turned into a striker. So that's true as well. Yep. You know. Um, but in terms of Darwin Nunes, you know, I think the similarities are they both speak Spanish and they were both white players and they turned into strikers. Because beyond that, um, I actually think, and this is going to sound hella weird, right? But I actually think um, Jackson has the potential to be a better striker than Nunes, right? And why I say this is this, is Nunes strikes me as one of these players that is purely instinct, yeah, if you look at it, that's why the guy's very unusual on the pitch because it's, it's really instinct. He hasn't really been coached a lot, you know, which is why if you see his finishes, the guy doesn't necessarily have a specific finish. It's just purely instinct. You would look, oh, the goalie's not there. Ah, let me try and shoot. Oh, the goalie's not there. And he just tries all these kind of weird things, you know. Um, Nunes strikes me as one of these players that, um, I mean, he's got a brilliant manager in Klopp, you know. So, look, he's had already, he's already had one season. By the end of this season, if you're not seeing kind of signs that this guy is ready to be a world beater, then I'd probably just cut my losses with him, to be honest with you, because the system is there already, right? Other players are, you know, are performing well, you know, but he just seems to be, number one, not being, he's not able to press. Jackson can press. Number two, his decision-making isn't necessarily great. And number three, he isn't clinical, you know? So I don't know what Alex thinks about this, but I actually feel that once Liverpool sells Salah in the summer... Um, you'll probably likely get another like main striker. I don't know, Alex. I don't know what your take on that is. I'll come in if you want me to jump in. If you want, oh, Shola, are you gonna yeah, say um, something? Yeah, before Shola say something as well, I I kind of like what uh, Manny said there about the instinct. It does look like that is, is kind of like an instinct instinct striker. Um, so, but but Shola, go ahead. What were you about to say? Uh, you seem okay. like okay. Yeah, first is first. We should not be putting Mudrik in any comments. Comparisons. The guy is scraps. <laughs> He's scraps. <laughs> let's not mention him. Like, let's we're having a serious conversation here. I beg. <laughs> bro. And second bro. of all, I'm sorry, but I will come to I, I will come to Darwin's defense here. I don't see him as an instinct kind of striker. He's not. He's yeah. never been. He's just he lacks composure. That is it. That's his problem. <laughs> he lacks composure. Like it, all like the chances he misses is not because he's it, these they're not instinct chances. These are chances that if you if you compose yourself, you score nine out of ten times. That's so, actually that's just the, that's just the same side of it. That's just a different side of the same coin, though. I say that to say the reason why he doesn't have that composure is because the guy doesn't actually think when he plays football, bro. Yeah, he doesn't actually think. If you look at the guy well, but that's why the guy does. They call it what? What did Jamie Carragher call him? Something organized chaos or something like that. You know, <laughs> you literally don't know. Even the guy doesn't know what he's gonna do next. You know, like I think the the, 
the, the, the one player I could kind of, um, he, you know, a better comparison is probably like um, Bolasi, like Yannick Bolasi or Pepe. Jesus Pepe. Christ. <laughs> or, or one of those kind of guys that, you know those guys that don't even know what they're going to do with the ball, they just get the ball there, something happens and people start clapping. Like, that's what Nunez <laughs> is one of those type of, he's a South American Bolasi, to be honest with you. <laughs> blast! That's a good. That's a good blast from the past. Oh my god! Guess, it wasn't too bad for Everton to be honest. But you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't top level. But um, Alex, what do you say to all of that? Yeah. No. I, I think I, I. I hear what everyone is saying, and the elements of truth in what each and every one of you have said. Um. But I think when it comes to Nunes, if you don't watch him week in week out, you might miss construe what he does. Yes. He's still very raw because similar to Jackson, like you said, and Modric, this is Nunez's fifth professional season in terms of playing football. So he's still very raw. Now, when you look at the positives, he's got the attributes to actually be a world beater. When you look at the landscape of the striking um, world right now, they're not a lot of top strikers. So if you've got a striker with his attributes, do you discard him because he's missing chances at the moment? I would say no. Because your point, man, he's got a brilliant coach who is coaching him. And Shalom made a very good point. It's composure. Can you get out of him? Yes, because he has shown instances. Three weeks ago, he played against um, Argentina. You would have seen the goal that he scored. You guys probably saw it. That's not someone who doesn't know how to finish. He knows how to finish, just that he lacks composure because... He's in his head too much. He's like a fan. You see him riding up the fans and everything. It's, it's mental. For me, it's mental when it comes to Nunes. And the, the minute he gets that composure, which will come with time if he continues to get games, which he'll stay again now, I think he will do very well. This season, Salah apart, he's the one with the highest output for us. He's got better numbers than Jota, Diaz, um, uh, Gapo, everyone else. When Nunes doesn't probably, play for Liverpool... He's probably played the most games as well. He no, the answer is no. No, no. The answer is no. Go, go check it. Go check minutes. A lot of games he's come off the bench. It's just the last... Recently, he's been starting games. And people say, oh, well, he hasn't scored recently. But guess what? He's been assisting. So that's the thing. When, when Nunes plays, if he doesn't score, he somehow assists. He's one of those players that when he plays for us, we play better. Because his attributes actually help us play better. His pace, his running power, his ground covering makes... And so what we do is paint, we pin teams that back because he gives okay. us so much. When Gapo okay, plays, can I, that doesn't can happen. I you, can I ask yeah. you a couple of questions just really quickly Absolutely. before the segment finishes, right? The two questions I, have, I ask you is this. Number one is if everyone's fit, does Nunes get into your start, your, your, your first 11? Number one. Secondly, yes. when Salah, because it's inevitable Salah's off in yes. the summer, mm -hmm. do you sign... Uh, number nine, or do you sign a replacement wide man, please? Those are the two okay. questions. Okay, the first question is: Nunez is, is the second or third name on my team sheet every week, and I'm not even I'm not even joking because I know the, I know the drop off when he's not playing. I watch us when he's not playing. We play Gapo. Gapo's a link man wants to come deep. Defenses they're playing against don't get scared of that. They push up on us when Nunez plays. They push back. It's it's we see, and that's why people say Nunes is master chaos. A lot of people say because what he does when he comes on the pitch, he just runs. So he always creates chances, even not for himself or someone else. He gets in there. That's one. So he always starts for me. And when Salah goes, I think we'll, we'll even see a better Nunes because when Nunes he wants to be the main man at the moment. Salah's our main man, regardless of whatever. 
So Sobers like gets the ball, train gets the ball, Nes get the ball. Their first thought is to give it to Salah, or somehow let me just end up giving the ball to Salah. And he he doesn't feel like he's the, so he second guesses himself. When Salah is not there, he's the main man. He takes the penalties. He does all that confidence. He starts bringing confidence. So I think we'll see a better version of him when Salah goes. We get a wide man on the right who isn't the main man and let Nunes be your main gunman. I'm not saying all of, his, all of a sudden he'll turn to Haaland or anything, but I think we'll see an even better version of him because then he won't be second-guessing himself. Because right now, he gets all his assists are going to Salah. When he gets the ball, he first starts to find Salah because Salah is still that main man. Yeah. That, that, makes my, that makes my point for me in the sense whereby how technically brilliant is this guy? Or does he just look anywhere Belay face, give Salah, oh, look, another assist. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Belay face. Bro, bro, Darwin Nunes, yeah, he probably has like one more assist in the flipping Jackson. And Jackson has more goals. Bro, go check, bro. Jackson doesn't have more goals than Nunes, bro. Go check. Yeah, Premier League. Yeah, even with those four that he scored against um, Spurs. Even with, the, even with those four that he scored against Spurs, I'm sure he doesn't have more goals than Nunes. Overall, first of all, first of all, he scored a hat trick. Nunes has five Premier League goals, bro. Bro, if we play against nine men, I'll score a hat trick too. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you need to get you need to get yourself in that position. Oh, but you know, uh, you know, at the start of the season, Chelsea wanted to buy Nunes. You know that, right? Just saying, bro, bro, bro. <laughs> like, to be honest with you, Nunez is like Brojo light, bro. You understand? So I'm, I'm not surprised. Brojo was injured at the time, wasn't he? All right, okay. fair enough. Um, so, so let's let us let us uh, we've been going up about an hour now. So let's leave it there for now. Uh, very interesting conversation that we've had. Thank you guys so much for coming. And like before I said, we go, before we go, prediction: yeah, uh, Arsenal, Villa, Arsenal. At least that that's right, a big thing. Right, right, let's end it with that. Let's end it with that. We can start with Habi. Abi, go on. Aston Villa, Arsenal. What's your prediction? Arsenal win 2-1. All right. Manny? 3-1, Arsenal. Wow. Yeah, that's very confident. Go on, uh, Alex. 2-1, Villa. Ugh, such a dickhead. But go on, uh, <laughs> Go on, go on, Shola. <laughs> Yeah, I think Arsenal are dropping points this weekend. I say 1-1. One, one. One, one. All right. Yeah. I'm going to be confident because I can't allow Chelsea guys to be confident and I'll be confident. <laughs> so I'm going to go with 2-1 Arsenal. There you go. And as you can hear in the background, Ryan is disturbing me. So Sorry, I guess, what, uh, kind of what kind of confidence is that, brother? You're meant to say like 4-1 Arsenal, man. <laughs> 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 I, trust, I trust the nine. I trust the nine. Right, hold on, man. I, I trust the nine. I trust the nine. So well, let me not say I trust the nine. I know... How's nine, Ryan doing? <laughs> Ryan, no, Ryan, I said London is blue. London is blue, yeah. <laughs> never, never. Probably, so with... probably wearing a Chelsea jersey. <laughs> <laughs> with that in mind, let me let me go and deal with Ryan. Uh, okay. you guys, thank you guys so much for coming on. And for no being worries, with us. Always a pleasure, bro. Always a pleasure. As always, right. guys. Yeah, as always, if um, like, subscribe, and um, follow us on Twitter different at the differential FPL. And uh, I wish you all a good week. Bye, guys. No, you mean no, you mean no, you Bye. mean X mode, though. X. You mentioned Twitter, you know. 20, oh, oh, X, 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 X,